Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Hallelujah. He is a precious Savior. Amen. Always mindful of us and where we are. Amen. And thank him tonight for being the God of the hills and the valleys this evening. If you'll meet me in the book of Exodus, chapter number 14. The book of Exodus, chapter number 14. Hallelujah. I know some of you who are working evenings won't be able to make it to our services this the weekdays, but uh, perhaps whenever the weekend comes, you will. Amen. But if that doesn't include you, and, and you're not one that works nights, please be here, amen, in the house of the Lord. We'll see what the Lord will say to us, amen, through revival. Everybody say revival. Amen. I'm kind of excited about a series of services, amen, to be able to come to, amen, and hear what the Lord would say. Exodus 14, when it began reading with verse number, verse number 21. The Bible says in Moses stretched out his hand over the sea the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night made the sea dry land and the waters were divided the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left and the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea even all Pharaoh's horses his chariots and his horsemen. It came to pass that in the morning watch the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared. The Egyptians fled against it. The Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. In the midst of the sea. My key verse tonight is verse number 24. So for some, this is a familiar passage, the splitting of the Red Sea, the children of Israel walking across, Pharaoh's army being drowned therein. Note verse 24, and it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked into the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. I want to preach just a little while tonight on the morning watch. The morning watch. I know Bishop talks about the morning watch a lot. Amen. I'm not coming to you necessarily talking about prayer, but I think it's important to unveil what God does during the morning watch. Amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I come to you this evening. I need you tonight, O Lord. God, mark every bit of error from my mind and from my lips. Help me, O Lord Jesus, to be able to convey something that will be of some benefit, God, to the people, Lord, that sat here this evening. I pray, O God, we need to hear, Lord Jesus, heaven and what heaven has to say, what heaven has to convey. Lord, I pray, God, in this place, Lord, help us today to lean in, Lord Jesus, to your spirit. I pray, O oh Lord, that you would do, God, a sovereign work, Lord, in this place. Bring everything together, Lord, as you want it, Lord Jesus, together. Lord, it will not fail, Lord, to thank you and praise you, Father, God, for what you do in this house and in this place. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. And everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated this evening. morning watch the morning watch the Romans divided the night into four watches the Romans did 
There was the first watch that was from 6 p.m., BR 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. It's the first watch, also known as the even watch. They had the second watch from 9 p.m. to 12 a.m., also known as the midnight watch. There was the third watch that was from our 12 a.m. then to our 3 a.m., the third watch that's known as the cock crowing watch. We can relate to that with Peter in the New Testament scripture and what uh, the three times he denied the Lord to take place before the cock crowed. It was during them that time frame. The fourth watch then being from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. known as the morning watch. We see these uh, listed in the scriptures of Mark 13, 35. Jesus is speaking uh, to some people talking about we know not. Uh, whenever the thief would come or when the householder should be looking for him. He said then, as a result of that, watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh. At even, first watch, or at midnight, second watch, or at the cock crowing, third watch, or in the morning, the fourth watch. That was the divisions for the Jews, and by and large, or of the Romans, by and large, many of the Jews fell under that umbrella because they were under Roman control. However, the Jews also divided the night into watches as well. They divided the night into three watches. From whatever time the sun set, the sun went down to 10 p.m. is what they would call their beginning watch. And then from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. in the morning is what the Jews would call their middle watch. But from 2 a.m. to sunrise, once again, there was this terminology of being the morning watch. The morning watch is that last portion of the night. The morning watch is that last portion of the night. Night setting in whenever the sun would set. But it was that last portion. It was that last bit of the night prior to the breaking of the day again. It was that last portion of the night. In our reading of scripture tonight, Exodus 14, we come upon a people who have entered for years upon years into a night season. For 400 years at least, they had been suffering at the hands of Egypt. They had been under the taskmasters of the Egyptians. They had been brought to a place that they had to make their own bricks and gather their own straw to make their own bricks and not diminish in the allotment or the number day by day. Things had gotten quite rough. They knew what it was like to have the whip upon their back, to have a steady eye always looking down their nose at them for 400 years. They had experienced this. During this period of time, they have experienced decrees coming forth from Pharaoh that he wasn't going to let their male children live. And there was that the, the, the handmaidens or the midwives should throw the males into the river, the Nile River. And there were some that spared lives. And Moses was one of those that had been spared. And so they knew what it was like to have heartache. They knew what it was like to have disappointment. They knew what it was like to be uh, in dismay for many, many years. Years, but the Bible tells us that Moses by his guidance and by his hand tells them that he has come and he has showed up to be the deliverer for God's people and their years and years of bondage and dismay and heartache and confusion. He basically came telling them your night season's about over. Your night season is about over. You're not going to have to endure any more whips upon the back or any more hard rigor or labor or, uh, if you will, the loss of male children from your families. Your night season is about over. And the Bible says that the Lord would give the instruction about what would need to be done. That the last plague that would come upon Egypt would be the death of their firstborn. And in order for the Israelites to be protected, they were to take a lamb. And they were to slay that lamb. And they were to take the blood of that lamb and put it up on the lintel and upon the doorposts of their house. The Bible says that they were to kill the lamb in the evening. They were to kill the lamb in 
the evening time. I don't know uh, if it's directly in that first watch period of time, but they were to slay it, the Bible tells us, in the evening. And after they would slay it in the evening and they would eat of the lamb and gather their household together to eat of it, they would take the blood of that lamb and put it on the lintel and on the doorpost so that whenever the death angel passed by, it would see the blood and it would pass over them, hence the word Passover or the Feast of Passover. It'd see the blood and then it would pass over them. The Bible says they were to have their, their robes girt. They were to have shoes on their feet because they didn't know the particular hour when all of this was going to take place, but they must be ready. They must be anticipating, amen, for this dismal period of time in their life to come to a finality. And the Bible says that there went a cry at midnight. There went a cry at midnight throughout Egypt because the angel had entered the land. He's passing over those with blood, but he is bringing death to the firstborn of all of the Egyptians, both of male, uh, of male, of men, and of beasts. And so there's a cry through the land at midnight in the second watch. And so they're killing the lamb in the first watch and the second watch. The death angel is going through. There's a cry going through Egypt because of the loss of their children, the loss of their firstborn, even from Pharaoh's palace down to the pauper. They were losing it all, and it was during the midnight hour. The Bible says that Israel left Egypt with a high hand. They left gloriously. They, they spoiled, if you will, the Egyptians. They went out uh, having what they needed because they spoiled the Egyptians. And so this is a very glorious time. Now they are on the verge of thinking these years of struggle, these years of whips, these years of hard labor and rigor are all over only to get so far on their journey headed toward their promise that they soon realize there's a cloud of dust in the distance and it's Pharaoh and it's Pharaoh's army. And just when they thought their night season was going to be over, it's not over. Just whenever they thought it was all said and done and they didn't have to feel the heat of an adversary breathing down their neck anymore, it's like a second wind came. They'd experienced this time and time again whenever Moses had went in before Pharaoh and said, let my people go or this plague's going to come. And Pharaoh always seemed to be agreeable. I'll let you go. I'm going to let you do what you need to do only for him to change his mind. Have you ever found yourself in the night season where it seemed like you had false hope? Where it seemed like when things were just on the verge of breaking, everything was going to be okay. Then the tide turned and it's like, you know what, it's not over yet. Just whenever you thought the sun was going to break across the horizon, you only found out you still have six more hours of darkness before morning comes. Have you ever been in a situation you, you was about ready to take a breath and a breath of relief thinking, man, this is done, this is finished. I, I'm not going to have to worry about this anymore. But then all of a sudden, a second wave come and it knocked you off your feet and it put you underneath the tide and it was just night all over again. That was the situation with the children of Israel. They thought it was all over. They thought it was said and done. But there's a little cloud stirring out there among the dust that's following them. And it is the army of Pharaoh. And they are hard following after them. And the reality of the situation is this. Children of Israel come to a Red Sea. We read the scriptures. We preach the scriptures. There are unpassable ways both to the left and to the right of them. And there is a sea before them. They are in snared in the land there is no way out and it's during this time of evening has passed midnight has passed surely it's during the time of the cock crowing it's the third watch of the night that all of this is taking place it's just insult to injury we are sewed up in the land our adversary is after us the death of his firstborn has taken place he's madder than ever if he's going to do anything worse it's going to be in this hour if he's going to do anything worse it's going to be in this moment and they're sewed in the Bible says that there is the army of Pharaoh and the Bible says that that, that pillar of fire that was guiding them it from before them went behind them and it became, it became darkness unto Pharaoh's army but it became light unto the children of Israel and while they are standing there amen and hours have passed and they feel the heat of their darkness all around them the spirit of the Lord speaks to Moses and says Moses stretch out your hand over the sea 
sea. And the Bible says the Lord caused an east wind to blow all that night to cause the waters to divide and cause them to dry up the land where the children of Israel would walk upon. This is happening in their night season. They wouldn't even be able to see the path through the sea if it wasn't for the pillar of fire behind them that was giving them the light to see. I mean, they're in a situation, you're, they're thinking, you know what, we wouldn't even be making it right now if it weren't for the little bit of light that we have in all this darkness. And so they start to go across the sea up on dry ground. There's a wall of water to their left, a wall of water to their right, and the Egyptians are still pursuing them. The Egyptians have the gumption, they have the audacity to get inside of that sea with them, walking upon that dry ground. And the Bible tells us in verse 23 that they came even in the midst of the sea with their horses, with their chariots, with their army, and with their men. Someone say amen. But the Bible says in verse 24 that it came to pass that in the morning watch, in that last portion of the night, in that last portion of the night, that the Lord. Someone say amen. That the Lord looked at the host of the Egyptians. The Lord looked at the situation that the Israelites were in. The Lord looked at the adversary that had been troubling his people. The Lord looks at them through that pillar of fire. The Lord looks at them through that pillar of cloud. And the Lord troubled the host of the Egyptians and he starts taking off their chariot wheels and he starts to make the mud amen get heavy upon their wheels and he causes trouble for them in the morning watch that last portion of the night I come on this Sunday evening to just breathe a word of encouragement of somebody that may be sitting on the sound of my voice tonight that says brother McGee I've had false hope I thought day was coming and night just prolonged itself I thought this situation was over only to find out there's a new situation on the horizon. I thought my days of burden and struggle was over only to feel a new struggle and a new burden come upon me. But friend, I'm here to give you good news tonight. This is not the first watch and this is not the second watch and this is not the third watch. This is the morning watch. This is the last portion of the night and it's during the last portion of the night that the Lord That the Lord shows. Honey, I don't know how much more of this night I can take. I don't know how much more of this struggle I can take. I don't know how much more of the whips I can take. You are in good hands today, folks, because if you've endured to this time, this is the morning watch. Amen. This is the last portion. This is the last portion of the night. And the Lord. The Lord shows up at the fourth watch to trouble what's been troubling you. The Lord shows up at the last portion of the night right before the breaking of the day. He took off their chariot wheels. The Egyptians start to think, boys, we might be in trouble. We've seemingly been successful for 400 years. And I know we had a little setback with the death of the firstborn. But honey, we were hot on their trail now after that. And now we found ourselves walking across dry land that they already walked across on. And all of a sudden, chariot wheels are falling off. Things are going just bizarre. And they look at one another. You say, you know what? I think maybe we need to turn around. You know what they start to say? I don't think it's worth pursuing them anymore. When does that happen? That happens when night's just about over. That happens when night's just about over. That happens when the Lord comes along during the morning watch. 
They said, I think the Lord's fighting for them. I think the Lord is standing for them. I think the Lord is going to back them. Some would say amen. Bible says that this happened and the Lord then spoke again unto Moses he said you stretch out your hand again stretch out your hand over the sea can I tell you folks uh, really let's consider this for a moment all of this has taken place during the night if it wasn't for the light that was from the pillar of fire they even wouldn't be seeing what they see and I'm not even sure how much they saw with that light, I have, I have no gauge that tells me the intensity of the light that was provided by the pillar of fire. Someone say amen. I mean, sometimes night seasons are like trying to drive your car at night with your headlights on. You can't see any further than your headlights, but you can make the whole trip arrive at your destination that way. God's told Moses twice now to stretch his hand out over the water. I don't know how dark it was, but it was night. God just point me in the direction. Wherever the river is, and I'll put my hand out. Because I don't necessarily got a good visual about what's going on. And so I'll put my hand out over the sea for the second time. And the Bible says the waters came back upon that dry path. Amen. Where the Egyptians were. And it came upon their chariots. And it came upon their horsemen. Whenever Moses stretched out his hand. And the Bible. Look what the Bible says in verse 27. And that it showed forth the sea returned to its strength. When the morning. When the morning appeared. The Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the water was back across where it was when the morning appeared. Now follow me. I still got a lot of preaching to do. But follow me right here. Verse number 20, 20, 30. Verse 30. Sorry about the 20. And I know I have my little girl up there and this is new to her. Welcome. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day. Out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. All of this happened during the dark. <laughs> Except the aftermath of the results were seen during the day. What I'm saying is this. They might not have known the whole scenario of what was taking place during the dark. But whenever day came, the only thing they saw were Egyptians floating in the water. What I'm saying is, there's some things in your night season you can't interpret, you can't discern, you don't know about. But whenever morning comes, when that last bit of night expires, and God has done his work in the morning watch, when the morning comes, you'll see the results of what God had did in the night. What God had did in that last portion of the night. Yeah. Some would say, Amen. It's in the morning. It's in the morning. Those morning watches. The Bible tells us over and over again. Isaiah said in Isaiah 26, in verse number 9, he said, With my soul have I desired thee. He said in the night, with my soul, I've desired thee in the night. And with my spirit within me, will I seek thee early. Isaiah had an understanding, although he may be in a night season of whatever watch it is. He said, I desire the Lord in the night because it's in the morning watch of the night that God turns the tides of battles. It's in the morning watch of the night, in that last bit of night that God steps out upon waters and he catches the wind in his fist. And 
Hallelujah. And he says, so I desire him in the night and I'm going to seek him early in the morning to see what the results were of the night season. Some would say glory. Someone say the morning. <laughs> the Bible tells us of a story in Matthew 14. That after the feeding of the 5,000, that being beside wisdom, women and children, the feeding of 5,000 men, beside women and children, Jesus, the Bible says, constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go to the other side. He was going to stay there according to his words and send the multitudes that he had fed back home, back to their dwelling places. And the Bible tells us in Mark 14 that when evening came, First watch, when evening came, that Jesus was alone, but the ship that he had sent was in the midst of the sea. And they were tossed with waves because the wind was contrary to them. The wind was seemingly against them. That's at even time. But the Bible says in verse 25, and I read it, and in the fourth watch, that's the morning watch. That's that last bit of night. In the morning watch, the Bible says, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. He didn't go to them when the waves first tossed. He didn't go to them when they were first contrary to them. He didn't go to them when he first saw them toiling in the rowing. Hallelujah. It wasn't when all those things happened. No, but it was in the fourth watch. That little last bit of darkness that was left. It was in the fourth watch. Since evening, since the first watch until the fourth watch, they've been toiling. Since evening until the fourth watch, the wind's been contrary to them. But your master knows when it's most convenient to show up. And many times it's that last little bit of darkness. Someone say amen. So in that last little portion of the night, of the morning watch, he shows up. He shows up. And they started, remember, they started that journey across the water with him urging them to go on a cross. And then it was that even that it became treacherous. But it wasn't until the morning watch that Jesus showed up. Hallelujah. That morning watch, that morning watch is that time when the watchman is looking. This is basically what it is. It's when the watchman that's on the wall that declares all the different watches of the night. It's when he's looking for morning. The watchman doesn't look for morning when even just begins. The watchman doesn't look for morning whenever the second watch, the midnight watch comes. The watchman looks for morning when he knows darkness is just about over. When there's just a little bit more of night that's left. That's when the watchman is looking for the first ray of light. Uh, someone say hallelujah. It's that last portion. It's that last portion of the night. When darkness is ba barely hanging on. Before the dawn of a new day. But look at this. As in Exodus so here. It is hard to interpret things. In the dark. Especially when you're in a surroundings you are not familiar with. You may be able to walk in the dark in your house without nightlights because of the familiarity that you have with your surroundings. But I could take you and put you in my home tonight in dark and you will not be as... You will not be as profitable walking through my house at night as you are your own because you're not familiar with that surrounding 
Honey, the adversary sets us in dark places with surroundings that we're not familiar with. And it's hard to interpret things then in the dark. The Bible says, look at it. The Bible says whenever Jesus shows up there in Matthew 14, it's also in Mark 6, it's also found in John. Whenever Jesus shows up on the water, the Bible says that the disciples who knew him, the disciples that had just ate bread and fishes from his hand, those disciples were afraid. But see, it's even time now. It's dark now. They're out upon the sea that he told them to go over now. And they are afraid. The Bible says they were troubled. They are afraid of the very one moments earlier that had comforted them by providing bread to them and fish to them. Let me tell you what your night season will cause you to do. Your night season will cause you to fear even the good because we can't make out in the dark even the good things. Jesus is there in the dark. But they're afraid and troubled because the darkness prohibits them from discerning and interpreting what's in the dark. Someone say yes. And so they're afraid. They are trembling. They are troubled. But know what the scripture says in the harmony of the gospels in John 6 and verse 21. This is what the scripture says. And I'm going to go forward and then back up. But look. This is the same story. It says then, everyone say then. Then they willingly received him, speaking of Jesus, into the ship. And everybody say immediately. And immediately the ship was at the land whether they went. (laughs) What that tells me is this, folks, is that eventually, During the morning watch, that last part of the night, the disciples willingly received Jesus into their boat, into their circumstance, into their dilemma, and immediately they arrived where they were going. Now note, the Bible says in verse 21, then... They willingly received him. (laughs) This was during the morning watch when Jesus is on the parap. Then they willingly received him. I'm asking you tonight, what changed for them? What changed for them? In one moment in the morning watch, the Bible says they are troubled by him. At one point during the morning watch, it says that they are afraid of him. But now, then, they willingly receive him. What in the world has changed? Folks, I tell you this. They did not receive him because they saw him for who he was. They did not receive him because they clearly saw him in the darkness. And they did not receive him because they could feel him. Because I guarantee you, in the dark seasons of our life, again, we don't always discern the good that's in the darkness with us. So they didn't receive him because they saw who it really was. And they didn't receive him because he wasn't close enough yet to touch them. They couldn't feel anything. Has anybody been in a dark season of night when you couldn't feel him? Brother Zach, what was it that changed for them? I'll tell you what it was. Because in the middle of that darkness, in the middle of that last session of night, in the middle of that morning watch, Jesus Christ in the middle of all that spoke up with his voice and he said, it is I, be not afraid. What I'm saying is this, we may not be able to discern him when he's in our night season with us and we may not be able to feel him during all of our struggles, but all the time, sometimes all we need is a simple voice from the Lord, a lay in our fears, a lay in our struggle, a lay in our trouble. Because God does some of his best work in the morning watch, that last portion of the night. Sometimes that's all that needed. That's all that Elijah needed whenever he isolated himself to a cave for fear of a woman Jezebel taking his life. 
Because what does he say? He said, the Lord wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the wind. But you know where I found him? In his voice. Some of us are set in our darkness and say, Lord, if I could just feel you, but that's not where it's at. Some of us are set in our darkness saying, God, if I could just see you, but that's not where it's at. What he wants you to do is listen for him. What's he want, what he wants you to do is hear his voice so that those times you can't feel him and those times you can't see him, you can be tuned into his. Someone say yes. My God, someone say Hallelujah. The Bible says in Isaiah 21 and verse 11, it says the burden of Duma. He calleth to me out of Sierra. It says watchmen, what are the night? These watchmen that watch the four different courses of night, the person is hollering out to him. Watchmen, what of the night? The Amplified says it like this. In other words, how far is it spent? How far is the night spent? The Amplified says this, how long till morning? They're crying out to the watchman. You got an eye on all this? Is it the first watch? Is it the second watch? Is this the watch of the cock crowing? Or is it the morning watch? Are we in that last segment of night? How is it spent? How much longer until the morning? And verse number 12 says, the watchman says this to that man. He said, morning cometh. The Amplified says, the morning comes. My, my Jewish Bible says, morning is coming. Honey, I want to be a watchman upon the wall tonight. Go on and ask your question. Brother McGee, it's been long. Brother McGee, it's been a struggle. What of the night? Is it about over? Is morning coming? Honey, I'm hollering back to you tonight. Morning's coming. Morning's on the way. We're in the last little bit of night. Hey, Kabokokayashaya. And God is on the parale in the morning walk. So it's say yes. Yeah. Turn this thing off, off times. The third watch, the, the time segment of the cock crowing. That place where Peter succumbed to denying the Lord. From my reading and studying, and I tried not to delve too far into it because I didn't want to get demonic spirits all over me. My understanding, it's those hours at the hours that those of another world do mostly their incantations. That makes sense then why the Lord told Peter, he says, I pray for you that your faith fail not. Because he knew the vulnerability of that hour. But if you can make it through that watch, there's another watch coming. It's the morning watch. In other words, whenever hell broadcasts all of its debauchery during the cock crowing walk, when you're finished, there's something else waiting in watch number four. There's something else waiting whenever night's just about done. God shows up. And everything that tried to be undone in the third watch, he's about ready to reverse in the... Someone say glory! I, this this is the reason why, Bishop, I believe you're woke up at, at the fourth watch in the morning. Because that's when God does his business. That's when God does his stuff. That's when God reverses the hand of the adversary. That's when God turns the tide of battle. And he just has someone to stand up in the gap of prayer to do the fighting in the heavenlies. Amen. Through prayer. That's... Yeah. <laughs> Let me give you a Bible for it then. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 11. You may be seated. 1 Samuel 11. The Bible speaks that there is Naash the Ammonite that comes to the people of Jabesh Gilead. And they basically want to make a covenant. And Naash tells Jabesh Gilead, he says, you want to make a covenant. 
then you're all going to have to gouge out your left eye. Remember, your left eye or your right eye. You gouge out your eyes, and then we'll become in covenant with you folks. But that's what you're going to have to do. Jabesh Gilead said, you give us some time to scour the earth. See if we can find anybody to be on our side. Because the last thing we want to do is enter a covenant where we're losing something. So they scour the earth. And where they scour the earth, they come in contact. They come in contact with Saul. And they come in contact with the children of Israel. <laughs> and the Bible says in 1 Samuel eleven eleven, And it was so on the morrow that Saul put the people in three companies. They are joining arms with Jabesh. Gilead. They put the people in three companies and they came into the midst of the host in the morning. In the morning watch and slew the Ammonites until the heat of the day from what I could gather was by and large usually considered somewhere around 2 p.m. in the afternoon. In other words, from about 3 a.m. or 6 a.m. till 2 p.m. From the time of the morning watch till 2 p.m. They are slain Ammonites left and right in so much. The Bible says they were scattered so much that there was not two of them left together. There was not a pair seen anywhere. But that battle ensued during the last portion of the night. Thank God for Bishop McGee because the Lord only knows that he might be just throwing some strength, amen, to a heavenly host for your last bit of night. We can preach on me. You pray whatever time of day you want to. But I tell you this, if you pray during the morning watch hours, I'm just telling you, all right, then it has a biblical ability to empower the rest of your day. The Bible says in Mark chapter number 1 and verse 35, and in the morning, speaking of Jesus, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Now watch. <laughs> not trying to play on words either. But Mark 1, as you look beyond Mark 35, later in the day, Jesus, he cleanses a leper in verse 42, and he casts out devils in verse 39. Someone say, okay. But let me just present something. Those were the results of victories that were secured in the morning watch. Just as the Egyptians floating on the water for the Israelites were the results of the battle that was secured during the morning watch. Someone say amen. God's wanting to do it. God's wanting to do it. In some of y'all's night season. You don't realize how, how long the night's been. You say it's been long. But what you don't realize, you're in the last portion of your night. What you don't realize is you've endured, you've endured the hell of the third watch. And you are in the last bit of your night. And what you don't recognize yet is he's already in your night season with you, but you just can't discern it yet. Let me say it like this. In Exodus 16, 21, whenever manna was sent from heaven, whenever God gave the provision of manna, the Bible says they gathered it every morning. Every man according to his eating. And when the sun waxed hot, it melted. They gathered the manna every morning. They gathered that provision every morning. But that provision came according to Numbers 11.9. It came as the dew fell upon the camp in the night. In other words, before day broke, Manna was on the ground. Before the sun went up over the horizon, manna was laying on the ground. He provided in the night. It only came to read their revelation in the morning. 
What I'm saying is as you're sleeping, God is working. As you are resting as much as you can in your turmoil and your pain, God is putting some manna on the dew of the ground at night. And whenever morning comes, you're going to understand that didn't just get here right now. That was laid there when I was in my trouble. That was laid there when I was in my despair. That was there when I was fearful and afraid. God was doing a work in the morning walk. I got stuff all over the place. You got time to listen? <laughs> Man, where'd it begin? There's just so good, much good stuff around here. We'll go here. Just hit a few nails here. The Bible tells us in John chapter number 20. John 20 in that first verse. Tells us the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early. When it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, and see if the stone taken away from the sepulcher. So it says she came early in the morning when it was yet dark. This is, this is a story that's told in other places of the scripture. It's also told in Mark 16. It says at the rising of the sun that she, Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, and those came. The rising of the sun comes at the very end of the morning watch. So it's not a contradiction of scripture. They are both speaking of the very same thing. As a matter of fact, when they are on their way and it's spoken of there in Mark 6, it's talking about because they seen the stone put up on the sepulcher. And they're asking one another, what are we going to do? We got the spices. We got all this to prepare the body of the Lord. So what, what, what are we going to do? Who will take away the stone? Are you listening to me? What they're saying is there's an obstacle in the way of what we need to do. Yet the Bible says in, in, in John 20 that whenever Mary showed up early before even before the day broke or while it was still yet dark, when she showed up, the stone was already taken away. Are you following me? But so the obstacle, the stone is rolled away. But the Bible still says that Mary wept. The obstacle is removed, but she's weeping. The stone's taken away. But she's weeping. Why? Are you with me? She's there early while it was yet dark. Because the Bible says she did not see Jesus. Woo. She did not see Jesus. And even more so, she didn't know where he was. She knew where he had been. But she didn't know where he was. See, what frustrates most of us is not the fact we knew where God worked before or where he was before or where he performed before or what he did before. But right now we're in a situation that we don't know where he is. Where's Jesus? I don't see him. I knew where he was. But I don't know where he is. And see, just to prove that, Whenever she showed up at the sepulcher, she was going back to where the last place she knew where God, where Jesus was. And what's more frustrating than anything is that he's not where he was. That's the reason why Job, as he's walking through his dilemma, he should looked on my right hand, he wasn't there. There on the left hand where he normally worked and in front of me, he wasn't behind me, wasn't. I looked anywhere and he wasn't. If someone would just tell me where the seat of God was, I would go there and I would plead my cause. In other words, Job's saying, I looked everywhere where he's been before, but right now I don't know where he is. Job, you're just saying that because you're in darkness right now and you can't discern where he's at. <laughs> Someone say amen. amen. Look now, look, 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 look. John 20 and verse number 14, look at it. <laughs> the Bible says that she goes in, she, she, she comes back, she's considering the sepulcher, she sees two angels, one at the head and one at the foot of where his body had been. One at the head and one at the foot where the body had been, where he had been at. And just for a little side note bonus, putting your back molars and chew on. There were two angels, one at the head and one at the foot. That is a good representation of the Old Testament Ark of the Covenant where there were two angels on the mercy seat. And he said, I would appear in the midst of them. 
But see, where God normally said he would appear, even from the old covenant, there's two angels where he was and now he's not. So the Bible says, though, as she's having this conversation, she, she turns away and she, she turns herself back. And the Bible says, verse 14, and saw Jesus standing, but and knew not that it was Jesus. Because, see, it's early while it's yet dark. And Jesus asked her, what in the world are you looking? What are you weeping about? <laughs> if you could hear God today in the middle of your last portion of night asking you, what are you upset about? If you could hear the creator of the universe that even allowed you to be going through what you're going through right now, asking you in your circumstance, what are you weeping about? Who are you seeking? Uh, she thought he was the gardener. And she said unto this Jesus that she saw but did not discern. She says, sir, if thou have borne him. Speaking of Jesus, if you've borne him, tell me where thou hast laid him and I will take him away. Sir, really what my dilemma is here, I just don't know where he is. He's right there. And she said, I just don't know. I'm weeping because I don't know where he is. Who are you seeking? I'm seeking the Lord. Could you tell me where he's at? And the Bible says that now he speaks. He speaks in such a way that's peculiar to Mary and that she'll know. He speaks and he mentions her name. And he said to her, Mary. And at that moment she turned herself and said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master, she recognized who he was. Again, she couldn't see him well and she couldn't feel him, but she knew the voice when he called her name because the sheep know the shepherd's voice. And a stranger, they went. When her name was called, she says, There's only one person that says Mary like that, and that's the Master. And all of a sudden it came together when I thought I was alone in the darkest part of the night before the day. Jesus is right where he was. Now watch it. Man, I got too much to preach and you all don't have enough time. Seventeen, look at it. Jesus saying to her, touch me not. Touch me not. You know, let me put that in PRMJ terms. That's Paul Robert McGee Jr. Mary, I know you want to feel me. It's still dark. I know you want to feel me. He says, but I got a job to finish first. The sun hasn't quite crested yet. This is still the morning watch. I got a reversal of the adversary. I still got to finish here first. I need to accomplish a task right now during the morning watch. Here's what it was, folks. Whenever a priest was to go in and present blood and such, amen, before the altar and before the Ark of the Covenant, he wasn't to be touched by anyone. To do so was essentially to defile him. He had to go impure, holy, just sanctified. And so he was just relating, amen, that in terms that she would understand. Don't touch me because I'm the high priest right now that's interceding on your behalf and I got the blood of my own death I got the blood of my own death and I know you want to feel me I know you want to touch me but I got to present this in the heavens and that's going to seal the deal of it all because God is going to be appeased by this sacrifice right here so what I'm trying to tell somebody, I know you want to feel him because you're in your darkness, but just wait a little longer because he's on the verge of finishing a job. And when the job is finished, he's going to show back up and say, handle me, touch I don't feel him right now, but honey, if you endure, he's going to come down and invite you into a place of touching him, feeling him.
Oh, let's raise our hands to the Lord, shall we? Can we raise our hands? Can, can we accompany a voice of adoration, thanksgiving, trust, confidence to him right now? Yeah, yes, yes. You'll stand for me. I'll, I'll come to a close. I've been up here long enough. So Exodus proclaimed it well. In the morning watch, the Lord. In the morning watch, the Lord. In that last portion of the night season, the Lord. Troubled the adversary. And the results were apparent when morning came. Because weeping may endure for a night. But joy. Yes. You'll look at the results. You might not know how it happened. You might not be able to give anybody an explanation how this all came about. Because that happened in the dark. It happened, yes. But you got the results when the morning comes. Joy. I'm being the watchman tonight. Morning's coming. Morning's coming. The morning cometh. How much longer till morning? I don't know, but morning, morning's coming. You, you could be in the last portion of your night. And if that's the case, God's on the parale. If that's the case, God's on the prowl. Well, Brother McGee, I can't see him. You might not. Brother McGee, I can't feel him. You might not. But you'd be listening for his voice. (laughs) Be listening for his voice. Because while you may not feel him now, there's just a few more hours till this whole watch changes. And you're going to feel him in a way that you haven't felt him since the last morning you had. Just one more because I think men just iterate and reiterate. There's so much stuff I would I, I could say. Simon Peter is going fishing in John 21. Others join him, say they're going fishing too. Why? Because the death and burial and had taken place. They feel the, 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 the defeat. Everything just seems like it's went downhill here. The resurrection has happened. But they're questioning the resurrection because everybody around them is questioning the resurrection. People's been given money to say that the body was stolen away. Even even the Lord, all these things are happening. There's still, man, there's still some puzzlement that's puzzling that's going on in their minds. And so they go back to fishing. And everybody else goes forth. And the Bible says they went forth and entered to a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. They are professional professional fishermen. They know how to fish. They know when to fish. They know the tackle that is necessary, the nets, the washing, the mending. They know all that that's necessary for fishing. But they did not catch anything all that night. But when the morning was now come. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. He's making a little fish there. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Because it's just been the switching from the morning watch to the sun rising. They didn't know it was Jesus because the morning was just now come. And it had just been the last portion of the night when they had been unfruitful. And when they had caught nothing. But Jesus decided, I'm going to, do, I'm going to visit my disciples. My disappointed disciples. My downcast disciples. My upset disciples. I'm going to visit them at the last portion of the night. So I can be there when morning comes. Folks, morning's coming. Look at your neighbor and tell them, morning's coming. Look at somebody else and tell them, night's almost over. 
Look at him again and say, Marty's coming. Look at your neighbor and say, I can't feel him. I can't see him. But I'm starting to hear his voice. Marty's coming. Honey, if you're walking through a dark time right now, I tell you, you need to walk yourself into the aisle and celebrate the horizon of a new day. You need to get your shoes on, your hands in the air, your head thrown back, and thank God because morning's coming. Walking all alone in the valley. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.